On this episode of The Spartan Life, we take our mics to Minithon. Every student is going to leave here tonight having saved a life and contribute to a parent breathing a little easier. Then we chat with Alex Becker about the importance of keeping a positive attitude. I like to hype myself up and say, like, oh, this information's easy, even though I don't think it's easy. Like, I study hard and I still don't get a lot of the information that I try to tell myself I understand. And finally, we talk with Mr. Roof and get his thoughts on, among other things, that letter to the editor that appeared in the spotlight and has everybody talking. I, I do feel for the class because they do feel that they've been slighted on a lot of these things. And schools are bureaucratic in the sense that making changes to schools, I wish, happened a lot faster. DJ Howdy how play our tune! Welcome to the Spartan Life, where we explore what it means to be a part of the Southern Lehigh family. And we attempt to cover all of the sweet, sweet goodness that is Southern Lehigh High School in 30 minutes or less. From first-hand coverage of exciting experiences, to intimate discussions with some of your favorite teachers, to inspirational interviews with diverse students on unique journeys. That's right, great students accomplishing great feats. We'll do our best to hit all of the highlights. But inevitably, we will fail. Because there's so much to celebrate, we're afraid your brains would simply melt if we tried to cover it all. We're your hosts. I'm Mr. Castagna. And I'm Mr. Howe. Join us as we venture into the heart of Southern Lehigh High School, one interaction at a time, on The The Spartan Spartan Life. So, I realize this looks really bad after our April Fool's Day episode, but... Mr. Halp, just by circumstance, not design, will not be appearing in this episode of The Spartan Life. Yes, our last episode was a joke. No, I have not kicked him off the show. It just worked out that he was unavailable for any of the interviews, introductions, interim segments, or conclusions for this episode. Actually, now that I hear myself say all that out loud, maybe I should fire him. Moving on to trivia. Mr. Halp and I are not feuding, although from the last two episodes, it may sound like we are. Here's a question about a band that did break up and nearly got back together. The question is this. What band did Lorne Michaels invite onto his show to reunite for the absurdly low offer of $3,000? Urban legend has it that two former members of that band were hanging out that night in New York and almost actually took him up on the offer. But, again, which band did Lorne Michaels offer $3,000 to reunite on his TV show? If you think you know the answer, drop us a line at slspartanlife at slsd.org. And don't forget to follow us on social media at slspartanlife. Up next, we did actually get some decent content at Minithon. The day was long, the students were enthusiastic, and the mood alternated from tragic to uplifting. Follow me as I take you behind the scenes of Minithon. I spent the entire day at Minithon. From about 9.30 in the morning until a little after 10 o'clock that night, I watched students, teachers, and community members rally behind a great cause, raising money to help pediatric cancer patients. The atmosphere was positive and upbeat and downright fun. But a day that long, where you're bombarded with events, you go through a roller coaster of emotions, you can't sit down, and you have to dance every hour on the hour, does take a toll. So, I started checking in to see how people were doing after we'd been there a while. First up, I talked to the president of Minithon and my chauffeur for carpool karaoke, Mandy Zidell. 
So from the president's perspective, we are seven hours deep. Seven hours deep. To a 12 hour event. Yes. How is it going? It's going really well. Everyone seems to be enjoying themselves. We have lots of activities going. And uh, my feet are starting to hurt, but I'm going to make it through. That was my next question is how are you holding up personally? I'm doing fine, eating lots of foods to keep me going. Um, what has your week been like leading up to this? Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. It's been getting less things like double checking with food, places to make sure we have food for everyone, double checking to make sure everyone had their permission slip turned in, making sure we counted all the money up to date so we didn't have to do it all now, DJ, video dance file, lots of things. So the event started at 10, but what time did you get here? I got here at 7.30. Okay, so you've been going hard all week. <laughs> yeah. So you started out for a 12-hour event that for you will be, holy cow, I can't even do the math. 15 hours? Yeah. Give or take? Uh, and you started at a level of high fatigue. Very high fatigue. Are you going to make it through the full 12 hours? Of course. No doubt in my mind. Good. Um, how's the dance going? You think everybody's picking it up okay? I think everyone's picking it up, even the guys, which yeah. is kind of hard sometimes, but I think they've got it down. Very cool. Yeah. All right. Anything else that our listeners should know about today's event? Today's event, it was great. Great turnout. A lot of great families came to share their stories. And next year, everyone should sign up. Part of what makes Minithon as special and powerful and meaningful as it is are the guest speakers who speak from firsthand experience of benefiting from the Four Diamonds Foundation, which helps the families of sick children with the costs associated with the treatment of cancer. One speaker who stopped by to tell his story was Garrett Swalina, a graduate of the class of 2017 who shared with us his nephew's story. I caught up with Garrett after his speech, and here's what he had to say. All right, I am fortunate to be here with alumnus Garrett Swalina, class of 2017. How are you, Garrett? I'm great, how are you? I'm good, man. What brings you by today? Well, I came by because I was invited to share my nephew's story and his battle through pediatric cancer and childhood illnesses, um, and I was more than happy to accept that. Powerful, powerful story. Now, you told the story two years ago, right? Yes. But the story has evolved since then. Yeah. Like Your, your uh, nephew had further health complications, Yeah. Uh, but he is 100% healthy now, right? He's doing extremely well, yeah. He's not out of the woods completely, but he's doing so well that doctors couldn't have imagined this four years ago, and, you know, he's the happiest kid I've ever met. He looks like he's doing great. I saw him going through that bounce house. Every every time <laughs> I saw him, he has no idea who I am. Yep. He reached up for a high five. Yeah, happy, happy he's not kid. shy at all, yeah. um, but he's doing great. I couldn't be more happy for him. And you moved on to Penn State. You're a sophomore there now, right? Main yes. campus? Yep. What are you majoring in? Professional golf management. And so you're just, like, golfing every day and studying golf every day? I do study golf every day. We do a lot of PGA work, so I, I'm just going to be working in the golf industry. It doesn't mean like I'll be like a pro, but you know, I can't be my job. I play golf for a living pretty much. So <laughs> Very cool. Uh, you were a member of the golf team here. Yeah. So uh, you developed a lot of your skills there. I remember you were in my public speaking class. You were in a few of my classes, but public speaking in particular, I remember, because I saw you up on that stage. How did it feel to stand before the crowd and tell your nephew's story? So I haven't publicly spoken since the last time I gave that speech. So <laughs> I had a little bit of a nerves kick in there. Um, in your class, I always had a podium. Yeah. So it's very strange for me to hold a speech with a 
microphone. So that was a little interesting, but you know, I you gave me a lot of skills on how to public speak, and I think that all came back sort of in the middle. Oh, thanks, man. <laughs> I remember you as a sophomore in my English class. Okay. And then I had you again as a senior in public speaking, and I was impressed with the amount of growth between those two years. And when you walked in today, I was like, I think that's Garrett Salina, or it's an adult that looks like Garrett Salina. <laughs> He's grown up so much, man, which is so cool. Um, where are you going to be in two years when you graduate? What are you going to do professionally? Uh, I have no clue yet, to be honest with you. I have a lot of opportunities that I'm looking forward to exploring, but I'll be definitely in the golf industry somewhere. I don't know if it's going to be local or far away, but I'm excited for the future. After I talked to Garrett, somebody, I'm not going to mention names, Mrs. Wall, thought it would be a good idea to enter a teacher team in the three-on-three basketball tournament. Now, for the record, I'm 5'8 on a good day, and I've got a bad back. And I play basketball like I'm 5'8 on a good day and have a bad back. Nevertheless, Mrs. Wall, Mrs. Bowsher, OMAC, and I entered the tournament, and the worst possible thing that could have happened to us happened to us. We actually won our first game. Now, this was a terrible thing because for a moment, I forgot that I can't play basketball. I went into the next game cocky and underprepared, and we ended up facing off with three gentlemen from the varsity team. Not only did we lose, it was maybe the most embarrassed I've felt since I was 15 and was made aware of just how bad I was at basketball back then. Uh, so I caught up with the guys who obliterated us after the game. All right, we're rolling up on 8 o'clock, which puts us to 10 hours deep. We got two hours to go. Uh, I just got destroyed in the three-on-three basketball tournament because some of the teachers were insane enough to think I should play on their team. And I'm talking with the three gentlemen that made us look ridiculous. Give me your names. Uh, Asher. Liam. Chris. All right. Um, wow. Guys, uh, how easy did you go? on us? I mean, we started off like pretty focused because you never know what teachers. They could be good or they could... Well, believe me, with us, you knew. You knew. <laughs> and then once we saw it started falling our favor, then we started going for crazy stuff, flashy stuff, you know. Oh, it was what... flashy. <laughs> I, like, I, I missed half of it. It was going over my head. It was behind me. I didn't know. Um, which one of you went through my legs? Oh, yeah. I, in the moment, I saw that you were coming out pretty hard and you wanted this smoke, so I figured I had to hit it and respect yourself. I had to show a disrespect to family. Maybe a little, a little trash talk in there. But. And I, I apologize. As we talk about trash talk, um, I became the 16-year-old kid that I was when I wasn't that good at basketball, and as an English teacher, even back then, all I had was words. So I was talking about your hair, I was talking about your legs. I don't think it did any good, but all I have, so all I had was the trash talk and uh, to your credit Chris right yeah. you were very polite and like you didn't you didn't do any like flashy moves on the female teachers which the rest of you I thought was shameful <laughs> that could be your mother out there good god I had to go for the dunk a few times so. alright I mean so to get to the finals you had to go through us but that was like going through an open door uh, who you got left are we into the final round yeah we don't know who the winner of the other game is yet but all right. that's we're just waiting on that game is there anybody out there who can take you? No. 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 Oh, you gotta oh. go with that mentality. I just changed my opinion of Chris. <laughs> I don't know if that was arrogant or confident, but he came on strong, just like he did on the court. All right, guys. Well, I guess thanks for not injuring us, and uh, best of luck to you in the finals. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. Thank you.
Again, I apologize for anything I may have said during the three-on-three basketball. It was a weak moment for me. Oh, and those guys did go on to win the whole thing, so uh, congratulations, guys. Finally, I took a moment to touch base with the woman of the hour, the advisor of Minithon, Mrs. Tossing. Now, you'll hear she gives a lot of credit to a lot of people in this next bit, but I cannot say enough for how she was the heart and soul of the event. She has an almost childlike optimism for what people can be in their best moments, and she wears her heart on her sleeve. The students definitely picked up on that, and everybody in attendance was brought to tears throughout the night and really felt the gravity of the event in large part because of Tossie's efforts. She also crushed Wrecking Ball during the lip sync battle. If I can find the video, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. She went hard. And we'll close this segment with her thoughts on Minithon. How do you think the event's going? Oh gosh, these kids are, I'm sorry, I'm so emotional. Why, we just, why are you so emotional? We just heard um, Jillian Massey's mom was just in here speaking and it was so beautiful and emotional for the kids. And I know these emotions are hard, but they, they can just honestly fill you with hope watching people's humanity enacted. And these are just such beautiful kids, just inside and out. And you know, honestly, everything they're doing, this is all of them. They are amazing, they have organized, they have worked so hard to make this happen. And how well everything is going today is a testament to my committee heads and the wonderful students of Southern Lehigh and, of course, my awesome chaperones. Like, this has just been such an incredible day. You know, at this point in the night when we're, we're so many hours in and we still have quite a few to go, like, just to be reminded of, like, look, when you're dancing here, you're dancing for something. This is, this is a great event and it's tiring, but what every student is going to leave here tonight having saved a life and contribute to a parent breathing a little easier and a family being able to smile um, and have peace. And I think that is such a beautiful thing these kids are giving to families that they'll probably never meet. But the fact that they're enacting this and that they're keeping Jillian's spirit so present. We sang happy birthday to her. Today is her birthday. And it was just a beautiful moment. And I know she is right there with us during that. Yeah, the tone of that presentation was also very celebratory. Yes. So uh, to that end, how are you holding up? Great. Um, I've had a constant stream of caffeine, Gatorade, pizza, um, so I'm doing awesome. <laughs> What's your go-to caffeine source today? That is a ca- iced caramel macchiato, right, <laughs> and it was brought to me by Saber because she's an angel. <laughs> you're going for the coffee, right? Yes. You're not doing the energy drink. Gosh, no, I'm straight up, straight up coffee, homie. All right, so what else do we have on tap for tonight? Um, so we're about to serve dinner to some very hungry, hungry fawners, um, the dodgeball tournament, the lip sync battle. So excited for that. Um, And then we're going to do a Luminaria Hour, which is um, a walk outside with uh, lighted and decorated Luminaria bags from our community hour. We are going inside. Great day for Um, it. Beautiful outfit. So we're going to go outside. That'll be at night. And then we come back in and we get glow sticks and we celebrate. And and it's called Glow Hour. And then we will reveal the big total at the end of the night. And how's it looking? I'm not saying. Oh, we don't get the inside scoop. You do not get nothing from me. Let's just say I'm very proud. All right. Well, you're doing a great job, Mrs. Tossie. Kids are having a great time, and it's such a good cause. Thank you. Thank you. She played coy there, but the total raised in the Minithon campaign was a whopping $21,311.56. By the way, $4,000 of that came from online donations in response to carpool karaoke. Personally, to see students and teachers using what power and privilege they have to advocate for those in need just fills me with hope and reminds me that taking care of one another is the most important job we have as human beings.
but maybe I'm getting caught up in the moment and taking this all just a bit too seriously. Which brings us to my conversation with Alex Becker, a young man whose personal philosophy is to laugh and smile and have a good time, no matter the stress and chaos going on around you. Enjoy. So finally, we get to sit down with the one and only Alex Becker. First off, thank you very much for our cover art for the podcast. Of course, Mr. Steiner. It looks fantastic. People ask me about it all the time. Uh, you got all the little details right, even the part where my mustache doesn't quite connect in the middle. Right, right. That's important. Yeah. Um, but uh, we mention you so often on this podcast because you're involved in so much around the halls of Southern Lehigh. So why don't you go through the list? What are some of the clubs and activities you're a part of? Um, I do a lot of stuff. Uh, I'm the captain of the speech and debate team, and that's probably what takes up most of my time. Uh, I'm the president of FBLA this year, and I also started Chess Club, which is something I find really fun. Um, and I also take some pretty fun classes, and I take a class at Lehigh. So, yeah. You get really good grades. You're applying to some really sophisticated schools. Um, but what I think I'm most taken by is how you seem to do it all with a smile on your face. You got a really good sense of humor. You roll with the punches better than any AP-level student Thanks, I have in class. You're very welcome. But I want to know, how do you do that? How do you balance it all? Um, it's a lot of hard work. Uh, I learn from a lot of my mistakes, and after I like, like I work pretty hard. I go to sleep really late because I'm up really late studying. Um, it's tough to get a lot of sleep, but I try to push through it and smile and look happy. And usually, like, I like those fun ideas that are like, if you smile, then you feel happier. So then I try those, and I don't know. And you find it actually works. Yeah, sometimes like it's nice. It pushes away the stress. Um, when you talk about how you balance it all and you just, you know, you don't always get enough sleep, but you just try to smile and you'll feel better. I think not getting enough sleep derails like 75% of people. Like that's enough to put a frown on their face and for them to be miserable and complain about everything. Right. Um, do you feel tired? Oh yeah. All the time. Um, so my, my freshman and sophomore year, I was like, okay, do I want a good grade on this test or do I want to sleep an extra hour? And it was obviously, for me at least, to get a good grade on the test. So I would like, just study late at night and then go in and be tired but do fine on the test. And, but this year, like maybe it's part of being a senior, but I'm feeling like it's more important to get in an extra hour and just feel better the next day. Have you seen a change in your grades as a result? Um, not, not really. I actually, I've, I've done better this year, which might, like, that might throw off my whole idea of getting an extra hour of, hour of studying rather than sleep, but, like, I, I, I always considered studying more more important than sleeping, but this year I've been sleeping more, and s- I, I still study a good amount, though. But, like, I fu- maybe the extra hour of sleep is more important than the extra hour of studying. So you could have been getting more sleep all along? I guess so. Wow. Shout out to all those freshmen and sophomores who should sleep more. Yeah. That's important. Uh, do you find yourself less mentally sharp when you don't get enough sleep. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's my biggest concern. When yeah. I don't get enough, I, I, I prioritize sleep because I can't stand a day when I'm not at my mental best in mm-hmm. front of my students. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, when I don't get enough sleep, I definitely, like, like at, mostly this year, I've walked in in the morning and just felt horrible. And I don't feel as, like, when I'm, when I'm well-rested, I feel like myself and I feel excited to, to learn. 
but when I've slept less, I just feel tired all day, and I, do, I can't, like, totally absorb the information as much as I would if I slept more. I remember having your brother as a student in class twice, actually, and he was, like, always, like, he smiled more than you did. Do you feel it's a Becker family trait? Is that something that your parents push or that you see around the house all the time? Um, it makes other people happy to see other people smiling, you know? Like, you'd be happier if you see me being happy, I think. Or at least I would be happy to see other people happy. So, so people see you smiling and kind of puts them at ease. I, I think so. Right? But I think people would rather see somebody who's smiling than somebody who's exactly. missing all Exactly. So day. maybe Ben has the same ideology as I do with the respect to that. But Have you ever found there's maybe an Alex Becker backlash over the smiling as you sit there in a room full of AP kids <laughs> who are tired and miserable and don't have the ability to smile through yeah. it like you do? Do they look at you with resentment? Yeah, sometimes. I'm, I'm, I'm sure they do sometimes because, uh, like, before tests, I like to hype myself up and say, like, oh, this information's easy, even though I don't think it's easy. Like, I study hard, and I still don't get a lot of the information that I try to tell myself I understand. But, um, like, I like to help my, hype myself up and feel like I'm ready for a test that I might not be ready for. So, um, and I assume some people don't like that because it sounds like I'm just being cocky with the information. But, um, yeah, I'm sure, like, I think in the classroom I I seem a lot more happy and excited than I am outside when I, like, genuinely tell my friends that I'm, like, having trouble understanding something and then I ask them questions and stuff. But um, I'm sure there's some sort of, hey, Alex, calm down. Like, So there are dark moments. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. (laughs) Uh, it's been hinted at in class that there's another side to Alex Becker. Oh, that you've cultivated you a <laughs> that you've developed a reputation um, in the halls of Southern Lehigh mm-hmm. that might not entirely reflect the person you are outside of this place. Any truth to that? Outside of school and like important commitments, I think it's important to laugh at yourself and to not take life as seriously as you may when it comes to things that are important to you. So I like to joke about myself and I like to joke about other people and other people know this, all my friends know this. I like to just mess around and have fun. So um, yeah, I, I definitely conduct myself differently around teachers than I would normally because there's some stuff that you just have to do, like you have to respect teachers, of course. But yeah, I like to joke around outside of the classroom. All right. Sure. Tell our listeners some of the schools you've applied to. Oh. Um, just name them. Uh, Lehigh, uh, George Washington. So we're working our way up. Yeah. <laughs> no, Lehigh, Lehigh is a very good, very good school. Um, University of Virginia, Northeastern, and a couple uh, better schools, like Ivy's. You don't want to say the name. I feel like, like, I mean... Bad mojo. Just because you're applying to these schools doesn't mean you're, like, the best person in the world, you know? No, and yes. Apply. And um, I, uh, I hope people don't see you as conceited or somebody who thinks of himself as the greatest person ever. Um, But what I was getting at is you'd love to go to one of those schools, I'd be very happy to go to one of those schools. Okay. What do you want to do in the future? What do you want to do for career? Um, That's a very good question. Um, I like computer science a lot, and I like... I've taken economics courses at Lehigh, and I think they're really, really cool. But I also like, like... I think psychology is really cool. I think I really like calculus. I like literature. I think literature is fun. So, like, I I have no idea what I like. So I think college will be a process of finding out what I like more. And maybe 
delving into economics and computer science more to see if I appreciate them as much as I think I do. So if you're at a point where you're not even sure, let alone career, but what you really want to major in Mm -hmm. or what your interests are, why does it feel important on some level to try to get into an Ivy League school? Well, so for some of those, it's the idea is you're at a place where it can you can go in any direction you want. So, for example, like this is just Brown specifically, but you can take any course you want. Oh, he named one. <laughs> I guess <laughs> you can kind of construct your own major and what you want to study. So, I think that's pretty neat. Like, not that it, Brown is like my number one or anything, but that that you can study what you want and go in your own direction and find your own path and like create what you want to learn. So. Um, and at a lot of these schools, you can't go in a wrong direction. So there's always skilled faculty. Like, I'm not just going to, like, a technical school or, like, a school for design or something. It's just, like, branch out wherever you want to go. And all the resources are there. I think the main thing is resources and, like, the community around it. I think city feels important, but that's just me. That's an interesting approach to applying to the yeah, Ivy League. It's actually pretty compelling. I've, I've asked several of my more advanced students over the years like why this pull toward the Ivy League when you know if you're going to study something that can be studied anywhere and cheaper you know why is it just the prestige and I like the idea that with Brown you can I mean prestige certainly doesn't hurt (laughs) Uh, but the idea that at Brown you can literally build your own course of study for somebody who doesn't really know what their course of study should be that's interesting and there are some neat schools where you can just like study liberal arts stuff and get a get a wide range. So, yeah, I think that's that's the idea of going to one of those schools. Well, you said you're a guy who likes to have fun, likes to crack jokes and I laugh do. about things. Uh, and you genuinely do seem like somebody who has fun in the halls here, involved in the activities. Even during class, when we're studying stuff that nobody <laughs> seems to be warming up to, you're always kind of smiling to yourself like you find some part of it amusing. <laughs> what does that look like in the future? You know, as a grown-up, how will you continue to keep life fun and entertaining? Because, you know, adulthood is really just about responsibilities and commitments. Yeah, so um, I think in class, a lot of it is me finding the information so tough to understand that I just laugh at myself because I can't get it. And then I know, like, I can take time in the future to understand it. But, like, right now, it's just, uh, I don't get it. Self-deprecating humor. Exactly. Like, it's important. And, um, like, as I keep growing, understand that life is to be fun and to help others of course but also to have fun enjoy yourself so honestly you know what that's a good idea as a graduating senior what advice do you have for Ooh, underclassmen that's a solid who are question. trying to make their way through high school um hmm. I would de- freshman year everyone tells you get involved in every club and I think that's I think to an extent that's a good idea like try to involve yourself and then if you can't stretch yourself that much then drop some stuff because you're just a freshman but um like try to think of what will help you grow the most throughout your four years and try to push yourself into it and do as much as you can because if you don't you'll regret it and that would be upsetting you want to make the most out of your years all right there you have it words of wisdom from the one and only alex becker alex thank you so much for appearing on this part thank you for having me mr steiner From a student who is surprisingly lighthearted despite Ivy League ambitions to an administrator who's equally lighthearted in his approach to administration. I sat down with Mr. Roof to hear about his path 
II administration, his educational philosophy, and yes, his thoughts on that letter to the editor that criticized administration for their handling of the senior trip. Here's what he had to say about all that. Well, welcome to the show for real this time, Mr. Roof. For the benefit of anybody who is not entirely aware of what you do here, tell us about your position, tell us how long you've been doing it, and explain what your responsibilities are. So I am uh, in my third uh, complete year of being an assistant principal here at Southern Lehigh High School. I'm responsible for the discipline for all the students who are um, in the alphabet A through M, you know, which is what most people think about when they think about an assistant principal. Then I also work with a bunch of different teaching departments. So I'm the direct supervisor of the special education department, uh, the physical education department, um, tech ed, art, family consumer science, music, business. Um, so I have a bunch of different departments there, and what that means is I go out and I watch them teach, and I give them some feedback about what they're doing in their classrooms, and you know, above all else, then I work with Mrs. Gariello to do all the different things that she wants to do and support her in that process. I would say the greatest percentage of time is spent on things that you didn't anticipate and things that you didn't schedule. So you know, students in crisis. And uh, they're talking to a school counselor. They're talking to Officer McLaughlin. And, and, and we kind of all get wrapped in because, you know, this is a human industry. So in a human field, you know, it's not as simple as saying, okay, what does the spreadsheet or the chart say I do when student says this? Because uh, you kind of have to take them all into account. Like, what are they saying? You know, what level of plausibility is in what they're saying? So uh, we probably spend the most amount of our time just talking to people and trying to talk them through things. And, and that's all of us. That's talking to adults and trying to talk through situations that adults are in, talking to the students, trying to talk through those situations, talking to parents. Um, you know, the, the funniest part is I would think most people think I spend the majority of my time on discipline because that's just what it is. And it's literally less than 30 minutes maybe per day, um, probably 30 minutes, three days a week, somewhere in that neighborhood because the discipline conversations here generally are, did you do it? Yes. I did. Okay, this is what the, that's the only part of the day where it's really like the spreadsheet tells me I got to do this. So, is the job pretty much what you thought it would be, or has it turned out to be something completely different than what you expected? I thought I would do a lot more of the dirty work than I do. So, I, I think a lot more of my job is trying to help people. But the challenge of of most of our jobs is when we're helping people in their greatest time of needs, nobody knows about it, and you don't ever want to talk about it. So. You know, there's a lot of times I'm spending time with, with people that are upset beyond what most of us want to think about on a routine basis. And it's simply sitting there and just letting them dump. And they just dump it all on you. You listen, take some notes maybe. And, and there's not a whole lot that you can do to help them in the moment other than just listen. So I think for me, I'm used to like problem A comes up. I'm going to find the solution and move on to problem B. And for a lot of the stuff that we do, it's listen, support, find a solution. But the, the, you know, the, the tough thing is the solutions aren't instant. And we live in this world of instant gratification. So if you're really struggling socially, emotionally, academically, we can make some suggestions about how to fix that. But it's likely that the changes don't happen right away, which requires you to then you know, circle back and check in on that person and have some conversations with that person. And there's a number of students who I talk to on just a routine basis just to see how they're doing. Um, so I think the job is not what I thought it would be. I also think being an assistant principal is a really hard job, and I thought it would, I, I don't know, I, I guess I didn't really understand how hard it was. <laughs> um, I will say that I had a really good mentor. I did mentor 
my mentoring relationship was with Mrs. Gariello when she was assistant principal and I was a teacher here. So I saw a really realistic viewpoint compared to some peers of mine that I know um, when they did their internship work, it was kind of like, here, there's a spreadsheet or just go do discipline where she kind of exposed me to a lot of stuff. But it is, it's difficult and every day is different. And, you know, Southern Lehigh is challenging in a lot of ways that other schools aren't. And it's less challenging in a lot of ways that other schools are really challenging. So, you know, I think it's a very unique place in that sense. All right. What drew you toward administration in the first place? Maybe we'll take it all the way back. How did you first become an educator? Uh, well, I have a somewhat unique high school experience because my uncle was my principal of high school. I always admired him because I think that he was somebody that people really gravitated towards. Um, and when I talked to people as both a student and an adult, like he had a lot of reverence. And I think it was still a time period where people looked up to the, the principal as someone who was like a guiding force, someone who you trusted, someone who made the decisions based on everyone's best interests. And I watched him live that. And then everybody that's a teacher has that one or two teachers that really made a profound experience. And I had, you know, was lucky to have the same teacher in social studies in seventh and eighth grade. And, you know, he was the greatest, you know, influence in a professional life for me. Everything from coming in and teaching us, you know, how to remember the states by rapping to class in 1997, something that like a lot of, you know, everybody was just standing up in front of the class and presenting. And he was young. He did a lot of experimental stuff that at the time I knew, looking back, he had to have had a lot of people dislike him greatly because the things he did were so different from what the norm was. I think a lot of people think teacher's jobs are are really simple, and teacher's jobs are hard. You know, coming out and doing something that is engaging, thoughtful, creative on a daily basis is really hard when you still live in an archaic system where you can't use the restroom when you have to and, (laughs) you know, all the same challenges I think that students, you know, struggle with in the classroom. Teachers often struggle with too. Like it it is, it's a tough, it's a tough job. And it's also one of those where, you know, my wife was a laid off teacher one year and she, she, she did insurance work. And she said the greatest part about being in the insurance side is she's like, if I'm struggling that day, you know, I'm tired and to this, nobody checks. If you're struggling as a teacher, you're tired, your kids were up last night, you didn't get a good meal in the morning, everybody knows. Everybody knows right away. The day is, like, impossible to get through. <laughs> yeah, the kids know. Like, it's just – so I, I think for – in general, like, everybody knows. And But being a teacher is profound. Everybody can think about that teacher that they know and they love. Um, it's the same about being an administrator. I think it's a very different – like, nobody's going to be like, my favorite administrator is – <laughs> you know, I, just, I, don't, I, don't, <laughs> I don't think students even use that word. Yeah, like, that phrase doesn't yeah, exist. Administrator. In English, like, yeah, yeah. yeah, my favorite principal. I, although I will say, like, it's hard not to look up to, you know, to Mrs. Gariello and say that, you know, she's not inspiring. I think that it, it, it's a good person to, to work with in that sense because I think it, she sets a goal, you know, you know, hashtag life goals. Mrs. Gariello sets <laughs> a lot of life goals in life. Um, and I think she does that for everyone. Kids the adults. Um, and, you know, working with her kind of gave me a lot of the confidence to push myself into this job. You know, I'm only 34 years old, so not that that's unusual for this type of role, but it's it's the younger end of what this type of role is. And, you know, when I worked with her doing my internship, she's like, you can do this right now. And, and, and it's that type of confidence or, or support, I think that made me be like, well, yeah, I can do this right now. Uh, you keep talking about Mrs. Gariello being goal-oriented and your personal goals, your professional goals, but being a new administrative team, you had a lot of building goals 
uh, for yourselves, for the staff, for the students. So remind us what some of those were and then evaluate them a little bit. How successful have we been in achieving those goals this year? Well, you know, in... In June, Ms. Garrett asked us to have a list of things that we wanted to happen, and her overarching goal for the year has been to heal and, and, and build this, you know, on the school climate and culture. So, you know, I think people have obviously known we've been doing these, you know, in-class uh, activities, whole building activities. Um, the, the reality of, uh, of schools is, is if you can't be happy and, and feel comfortable in the environment that you're in, it's really hard. Yeah, you can't learn. Yeah, you can't do anything. Ah. So I, I would think that we've existed in the building. So the, the climate and culture work um, has, has been the, the primary goal for the year is to, to build a more positive school climate and, and a really a school culture. Because Southern Lehigh, for better or for worse, it's kind of two different cultures in my perspective. You have this culture of athletics where you have a, a lot of students deeply involved in athletics, really successful, supporting one another. Like your classic 20th century American high school. Correct. The difference, though, is every sport team is good. You know, from the, the football team to the rifle team to, to, to the girls' basketball team to the softball team, every team is good. So, so it's... You know, in the in the Americana, it's like everybody's out on Friday night and they're supporting the football team, and nobody knows that other sports exist. Here, everyone is good. You know, I just learned today, Mr. Strong has been coaching um, the, the the track team, and the girls' track team has not lost in the four years that he's been the coach, or three years that he's been the coach. Either way, absurd. I didn't know that. Absurd. Never I, lost. I, like any other school, like that's a banner that greets you when you yeah. walk through the door. But here it's just one accomplishment of yeah, many. Never lost. And I'm not sure if it's three or four, but either way, it's absurd. Then you have this culture of students that are involved deeply in activities. And you know, whether it's you know the plays, which obviously, you know, after going to, to Les Mis and people are literally weeping, it's wailing, screaming, tears are flowing. I've never seen anything like it before in my life to, you know, the band, the org, everything is unbelievable. The mini-thon, so you have this organizational culture where students dedicate a ton of time, speech and debate, to their craft. So you have these two groups essentially doing the same thing, it really just a different product. It's about dedication. So I think that the climate and culture is about focusing that dedication toward the betterment of the school mm-hmm. and using all of that to build the betterment of the school. So I think our, the primary goal for this year is really just to build that climate and culture. And I think we've done a lot um, to, to build that. I also think that for a lot of us, it's it's small steps. So nothing is going to change overnight. Um Right, or even in one year. In but one year. I was curious how you felt about the progress. I do think we, we – I mean, it feels different to me. So I, I, It feels I, very different compared to last year. It feels yeah. very different. You know, last year was tough, I think. It was a very I, tough year. I don't know how much people really know about how tough it was, but it was tough. Like, I think it was tough for the students. I think, you know, there was a sense, you know, leading off of the, the issues that happened two years ago, it was kind of just a malaise. Nobody really wanted to talk about it. Malaise is a great word to describe it. It, it just felt very just there. Nobody knew how to talk about it. No. Nobody knew what to do about it. And, and I've had some some parents, like, from students who've come from other schools say we picked this school because we, we want a place where our students are going to be challenged to think differently because they know about Mrs. Gariello's track record at Saucon Valley and that she's going to, you know, this is the difficult thing. We're going to talk about it and put it right out in front of people's faces. So I think we've made some progress. I've never been a part of a school where students get asked as much um, about their opinions 
as we do here, whether it's the Principal's Advisory Committee, the super advi- Superintendent's Advisory Committee, the Food Committee. Isn't this so different from when you and I were in school and what our teachers were focused on? They didn't care what the students didn't thought. They didn't care about anything. <laughs> it was just maintaining order. That's yeah. why they had uh-huh. rules. You sat at that desk and you didn't it. move. You didn't ask a question about what was being taught or why it was being taught. You no. just took your notes. You took the test. So, I, I mean, I, at the end of the day, I think, you know, focusing on building a positive school environment, um, all the student groups. So, um, and we've rotated students through that. And I'll tell you, overwhelmingly, it's been information that has been profound, you know, from things that people thought were a joke, like urinal dividers, to, you know, <laughs> We things. finally got those urinal dividers, oh, they're in baby. There. Oh, they were in there. I thought for April Fool's Day, it would have been great if you removed them for Taking one them day. Out, yeah. and watch the kids freak out. Take all the walls out. <laughs> all the walls. That's yeah. right. Even the stall. <laughs> yeah. You have to sit on the toilet with no, <laughs> no walls. <laughs> yeah. That would have been a good April. That's actually a good one for next year. We'll think one. about it. Yeah. But, I mean, the progress has been strong, but I also think that, you know, expressing your beliefs or your vision is hard. You don't want to hurt people's feelings. Um, you know, I can tell you that in the short three years I've been doing this, my th- skin is thick. I've had a lot of people call me names, fatso, baldy, all this. Oh, that's brutal in a professional oh, setting? No, yeah. Oh, that's awful. Said, you know, I've had some, oh, some parents and some other people. That's fine. People are emotional beings, so like I, that stuff doesn't bother me. And I also think we're not teaching people how to have those conversations. So the one thing I will say about the whole school activities is Mrs. Garrell is a teacher, you know, and she's teaching students how to express themselves, how to think, how to think about others. Um, and she's teaching us, like the, the teachers and the, and the staff, how to think about that as well. So. All right. So I'll leave you with this. Despite all of that good work we're talking about, here's my sound effect of the school newspaper being opened up. I opened the paper today and there's a letter to the editor written by an anonymous senior um, about the senior class feeling deprived and disappointed by an administrative team that they feel has not fully listened to their needs and concerns, uh, most notably with the senior trip. So what do you th- have you read it? I, I have read it. So yes. how do you feel when you see something like that? I go back to what I just said. I, I think that they have experienced um, and they, they provide the litany of, of history behind the, the field trip experience of the class. Two that and I will say this as an English teacher. I thought it was very well written. Sure. It was, it was a solid argument. Nothing about that letter is offensive. It's factual. Um, it's someone's opinion. They, they feel very you know, profound and, and it's something that they wanted to express. And absolutely, um, I think they, they, they have the right place to do it. I would have liked the, the person to come and talk to us in person because I think that uh, nothing they said hurts my feelings. I also would like to have a better conversation with them. That being said, the senior trip is not something that I, I'm hugely invo- involved in. Um, I figured have, you're the best administrator to ask because you wouldn't have a personal connection. Yeah, I don't have a it. personal yeah. connection to it, but I, I, I will say that I think that we have built an environment, I would hope that we have built an environment where this person could feel comfortable to come down in the office and have a conversation. Um, I, 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 there's a lot of variables in a, in, a, in a trip. So whether it's the transportation, the financing of the trip, there's a lot of things that I think that are not as overtly obvious. Um, Specifically, thinking about the t- class of 2019 has a has a demographic makeup that is very different, and the class of 2020 and so on. The school district has a demographic makeup that's different, in the sense that, you know, what people can pay for mm-hmm. versus what they can't pay for is not something that everybody overtly shares. 
Um, so, so going up to New York City, paying for the, a trip to New York City to then go out and then participate in a bunch of things that are, you know, activities that require additional monies to, to participate in is difficult for some families. Um, that being said, it's, it's a trip and it's about the bonding experience and the, the, what happens on the trip that is valuable. And I think that, you know, the students have a voice. They can come down and express a lot of these, you know, feelings to, to the office. I can't guarantee that it's going to change everything that, that they want and they're going to get 100% of what they want. But I would have hoped that we were in a place where that student would have been able to come down and say, you know, I'd like to make an appointment with Mrs. Gariello or Miss Brinson or Mr. Roof and or all three of them and just really air my grievances, share everything that I, that I feel. Um, we've heard about a lot of that stuff that, you know, I'd be lying if I didn't say that at almost every parent meeting, senior parents have told us about the Ellis Island trip. And now the students were... Is that the one canceled by a hurricane? Yeah, the hurricane canceled the Ellis Island <laughs> that's, a, that's a tough one. I don't know what you do about that. Well, but it's... Parents are talking about it. So it's important. And the reality of it is, is a, a school trip is important. It's something that has never been done here, um, at least as far as I understand, for a, a quite a long time. You know, uh, our historian, Mrs. Kavesix in the main office, our historian. Can, can tell us about the history of a lot of uh, this stuff. And, you know, she said that it has been a long time till the, 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 since they've had this. And, and I, I do feel for the class because they do feel that they've been slighted on a lot of these things. And schools are bureaucratic in the sense that making changes to schools I wish happened a lot faster. But in order for changes to stick in a lot of situations, you need to get buy-in from everyone. So if we were to just dump senior privilege on them, which I think is really more of the root of a lot of this is a senior privilege. That came up a lot in the article. It's a yeah. senior privilege piece and a couple other things that they feel slighted on. And, and I, I definitely understand that. And I definitely can appreciate that there's a slight level because senior privilege is happening next year. Mm -hmm. um, but to institute senior privilege in a schedule that wasn't built around it, it would have really hurt as many students as it didn't, as it helped because most people wouldn't be able to do it. And we would have instituted it and it would have just been a real test case for a couple of people that have a study hall, first block or fourth block. And it wouldn't have been fair in the sense that a lot of students who would have met the criteria would not have been able to do it. Uh, one other thing I feel like we should mention, because I don't know if people realize it, you are a building administrator. Uh, so people look at you as the, as the be-all, end-all, like you have all the power. Yeah, right. But you don't really make the final decision. Neither does Mrs. Gariello or Ms. Brinson. There are people above you who weigh in on this as well, right? Essentially, like everything else, like I have a lot of people, you can make this. I had students come down to me today and ask me if I could make a decision about something. And I said, no, I cannot make a decision about something. You know, my boss, my direct boss, obviously, Mrs. Gariello, and then her boss is, is Dr. Roth, the assistant superintendent. But then there's little, you know, composites of different people. So, you know, there's a curriculum director. So academic decisions have to run through the curriculum director, Mr. Cross. Um, you know, at the end of the day, the superintendent is, is in charge of the whole district. But even like something like air conditioning. That runs through the, 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 the support services coordinator, Mr. Berge. You know, the technology stuff runs through. Um, so you answer to a lot of A lot people. of people. So anybody who's out there thinking that you have all the power and it's a thumbs up or a thumbs down like it's gladiator times and you decide who lives and who dies, that's really not the case, right? It, it, it takes a village to make the decisions around here. It certainly does. And, and I think that's where, like, having the best communication possible builds you into this place where, like, you know, for example, if you have a real significant concern, come out and, you know, these are all my concerns and these are all the things that I'd like to change and this is why. And then it gets 
brought to somebody else. And that's part the other part of the reason why the, the process takes a while. Like everything else, nothing is a one-person decider. Um, so that's probably another piece that's really difficult about being an administrator. All right. Well, I appreciate your time. Is there anything else you'd like to say for our audience? You know, the Spartan Life is great. You know, I don't know if a lot of people do recognize, you know, as a podcast lover, I don't know if a lot of people recognize how much work goes into this, but, you know, both you and Mr. Haupt, you know, should get an award for doing this. It's, it is great, and I know you brought it into your class this year. Um, it is a great learning tool. Uh, I, I, I can't say enough about it. Love listening to it. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. It's been fun. Great guests like you really make it worthwhile. Thank you very much. Thank you. So, no, he can't wave a magic wand and solve everybody's problems. Even though he's a building administrator, he doesn't have that kind of power. Case in point, he couldn't do anything about that distracting rattle coming out of my heating unit near the end of that interview. Uh, My apologies. And thus ends another episode of The Spartan Life. On our next episode, we'll take a thorough look at the robotics team and their recent victories. Until then, if you think you know the answer to our trivia question, send us an email at slspartanlife at slsd.org, and don't forget to follow us on social media at slspartanlife. Hang in there, everybody. Summer's right around the corner. And then everybody that's a teacher has that one or two teachers that really made a profound experience. And I had, you know, was lucky to have the same teacher in social studies in seventh and eighth grade. And my first year teaching was actually his last year teaching. So he was young and he didn't even last. He actually moved to, to Germany. He teaches in Germany now. And my first year teaching, I happened to be teaching in the same district I went to um, in, the, in the Bethlehem Area School District. And I saw him like all excited at an in-service. And I was like, oh, I'm finally doing this. And he, and he was like a beaten down horse. Already. Like how, how old do you approximate he was? He was probably 35. <laughs> <laughs> like he was struggling. <laughs>